Hey, this is uh, Jeremy Thone, host of 3PL Live and marketing director of 3PL Systems, transportation management software. I'm super excited to have Blake Rangel on our show today. Blake is actually one of the employees of 3PL Systems. He's on our technical support team, and I got to pick his brain about setting up EDI 210s, 214s, 204s, and we also talked about tracking via API and EDI, and then a host of integrations that 3PL Systems offers, including Hubtran and DAT onboarding. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Blake, how did you uh, start working at 3PL Systems anyways? I'm kind of just curious to see how you got into the transportation industry. So before I was working at 3PL, I was working as a behavioral therapist uh, with children with special needs, completely unrelated. 3PL was the one that kind of stood out to me the most in terms of I saw, saw the ad for, you know, working technical support and didn't know anything about transportation, but... What did you think about you know, it? Because, I mean, I remember the first time I learned about transportation, I was thoroughly confused. Yeah, no, it was a lot more in-depth than I thought it would be. I mean, I don't really know what I expected it to be, to be quite honest. I know that it can get pretty, it can get pretty crazy behind the scenes, but nothing, <laughs> nothing quite like I thought it would be, to be quite honest with you. But, but you know, in a good way for the most part. It's been... A lot of uh, a lot of growing to be done, a lot of learning to be done. Uh, working at Three Field, that's been been very very interesting so far, that's for sure. Yeah, how do you approach something? I guess when you guys have like new issues that you're working on in the support team, or like what what do you guys? How do you guys learn when you're fixing something new and whatnot? Um, I just gotta I gotta, I gotta read a lot and I gotta ask a lot of questions. Um, pretty good example of that for me personally when I was kind of getting into here uh, was is EDI. So, you know, everything else, uh, a lot of the software integrations and, you know, just kind of general tech support stuff really kind of came natural to me. But that one was something that was new to me when I was working at 3PO. And I just, I've had to ask a a lot of questions, you know, just uh, speaking to people who know what they're doing, you know, developers, people, other people that I've been working with from other companies. So I got to do a lot of reading and asking a lot of questions when I'm trying to learn something new for you know, new stuff that comes up. And, you know, that's just kind of gen- generally how it is to support uh, with all of us because obviously don't know everything. So ton of questions and definitely a lot of reading online, that's for sure. Sure. And what about for those that don't know, I know what EDI is myself, but for those that don't know what EDI is, what are some of the common ones that, is it 210 and 204 and 214 that we service or what? Yeah, yeah. Tons of different types of EDIs, but the ones that we are using are... Uh, EDI 204, 210s, and 214. <laughs> it gets a little, uh, 204 is load tender, 210 is invoicing, and 214s are shipping status updates. And they could be going inbound or outbound, right? Like a 210, or I'm sorry, like a 214 tracking could basically be going from a carrier to our TMS or somewhere else, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so it can be either going to our system, which will be updating a shipment, on one of the load profiles, or it could be leaving our system and going through, you know, another another company's system, which you know we're pushing an update like that. So yeah, generally I think shipping creation that one less likely to be going out of our system, more so than it's coming in. But uh, for the most part, you know, they can they can all be going in or out. Yeah, how are these things set up anyways? I, I saw like an email actually the other day that you were filling out some information on some EDI, but how how generally is this set up, and how long does it usually take? It kind of depends. Uh, getting it set up can be relatively quick. Uh, it just kind of depends on if there's any customizations or anything like that that are involved or you know, necessary for that matter. But yeah, for a simple for a simple setup, it could be done probably within 
within a few days if there's a consistent back and forth between the other party. But uh, when it comes to customizations and, you know, any other things that are that need to be done and added to the EDI in order for it to work for both parties, you know, that's the part where it can it can start taking a little bit longer. But for the most part, it's, in my opinion, depends on the amount of back and forth that can occur between both parties because, you know, sometimes the other company that we're working with, for example, you know, they could be doing a large volume of EDI, so it might be taking a little bit longer to get a response. You know, other companies might be a little bit smaller and a little bit more prompt. The turnaround on it kind of mostly uh, kind of depends on, you know, the complexity of the setup and how, how consistent we can communicate with each other to get it done. Sure. How does it work as well as far as, like, how often are these EDIs sent? As it usually, it's, it's done on, like, a time basis, I believe, right? It's, like, kind of like a once-a-day type of thing or depending on the carrier? Yeah, yeah. So it could be done, you know, multiple times a day. Basically, what's happening with an EDI is that a file is moving from, you know, one system to an FTP and then, you know, it gets processed and then over to our system or in your other system, depending on the dynamic of the setup. But definitely not going to be as quick as API. API is basically as real time as it gets. Uh, but with CI, there's a little bit more of a delay because sometimes you have, you know, have people manually processing the EDI. So there's not really a sense of automation occurring, which would speed it, speed it up a little bit, You're kind of dependent on a person actually getting it done. You know, sometimes there's systems involved where it's kind of automated a little bit more. Uh, not as not going to be as automated as API, of course, but a little bit slower. But it can it can still it's still really efficient, of course. Otherwise, people wouldn't be using it. But yeah, definitely not going to be as quick as API. That's for sure. Sure. And then what about FTP? That's just a way of transferring files. Yeah. So FTP stands for file transfer protocol. So it's just going to be it basically it's just a folder. It's like a shared a shared folder that you know us and another party can access. And, you know, they dump files in, and then our system processes those files and then updates our EMS or wherever it's going accordingly. Makes sense. Did yeah, we write scripts or something to grab that information out of that folder? Is that kind of how that works? Yeah, so we have a, we have a program that I believe was developed in-house processes the EDIs. So yeah, it'll go inside of a folder and this processor program will basically take the file and you know, analyze it and do what it needs to do with it. So for example, like if it's, an, if it's a status update, then the EDI processor will recognize that it's a 214, and then, you know, it'll go find the load in our system and update that. The person can go and actually see that 214 update happen like that. Makes sense. And then how does tracking work with API? And I know that we have a number of carriers that do API tracking as well. How many do you think we have? Uh, just like a rough guess. Ooh. Um, Did you say like less than 20 or 20? Maybe? Probably like, yeah, probably around there, something like that. Yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty good estimate. And then how, how do you set it up with that? That's based upon credentials, like username, password to set up. Let's just say like you had Y or C that you're trying to track for. Yeah, so that's more or less how it's going to work. So, of course, you you, you know, in our system, you get, to, you get to choose whether or not you want to use it. You're not necessarily forced to use it if you don't want to. But, yeah, it's going to go, be going off of credentials. So, you know, kind of using Y or C as an example, you put in a you know, username, password, account number, any other API credentials that might go in. I'm not sure if it's for YRC off the top of my head. But, yeah, he just put the credentials in. And then how it's going to work in our system is it's going to be going off pro number. So once the pro number is put into our system, um, and, of course, as long as tracking is enabled, then we're going to start getting, uh, like, real-time updates from, you know, whichever carrier, respectively, whenever they push the updates, of course. So there is a bit of a, you know, some 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 degree of dependency on the carrier, but it's, it's going to be an update from them regardless. So it's just getting sent over to our system. So whenever they whenever they update the um, load in their system, our PMS will 
pick up on their tracking link and their phone number and then push the updates to our system accordingly. Makes sense. And then would you say that a handful, I guess most customers probably use a combination of EDI and API tracking? I'd probably use both if I owned a brokerage, but I'm just curious like what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say it's a pretty healthy combination of both. Uh, i not people who are trying to use uh, API tracking uh, just because it's a little bit less cumbersome in terms of, you know, getting set up and a little bit more straightforward. But there are certain, uh, you know, circumstances where customers, their customers, for example, are only tracking off of EDI. They want uh, EDI tracking updates or something like that to go somewhere, you know, wherever they want it to go really for that matter. A lot of our customers love our LTL rating engine. And I, I would say that that's probably one of their favorite features and the ability to mm-hmm. set up rates and tariffs and whatnot. What have you learned about that since you started there? Is, is that kind of one of the most popular features at 3PL? And how do you go about like setting up a tariff or like just like a blanket tariff if you do? Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, I would say that's probably yeah the most popular feature in our system for sure. Cause rather than going to 10 different carriers websites and pulling rates on each carrier's website, which you know, just saying it out loud sounds like it can take a long time. Rather than doing that, you know, you just get all of the credentials, all the accounts and stuff like that set up in our system. And then, you know, just at the click of a button, you get to generate all the rates that you're looking for at the same time rather than, you know, having to go to each one and do it on individually like that. And then the the customers could, I know that, that we have a carrier, like, profile page for APIs and the customers could set up mm-hmm. themselves as well. So it's a little bit self-service, it looks like as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's actually really straightforward. Um, once you sort of got the uh, understanding of, you know, how the dynamic works between setting up a tariff in our system, uh, getting the rate to pull, it's really straightforward. Quite literally just turning on the integration, you know, putting your credentials in, adding it to an API tariff. So that way our system knows, you know, this is a carrier that you want to pull back a rate for. And then assuming that the credentials and everything is all good, accounts active, you got your rates coming in the system without really any issue. And that works with customer-specific tariffs as well, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you can actually have uh, two different sets of rates pulling for the same carrier. So you can have your blanket rates in the system. And if you have any customer-specific pricing uh, for any carriers that you'd like to pull at the same time, uh, you can get that in the system so that way you can get pull, uh, both rates pulling at the same time without you know, having to interrupt with either one respectively. What are some other popular integrations? I know that I've, I've spoke to the guys over at HubTran, and I really like what those guys are doing as far as automating a lot of the the invoices and payables. They say that you could actually automate four times faster using their payables software because a lot of the things like when you get a document from a carrier, it's going to have like an invoice, a bill of lading, a quote, et cetera. And basically what their software does is it parses all that out and then it'll send it into 3PL systems under the load. But um, I really like that integration. Do you know if we have many people using that? I know that we have a couple that I've heard of, but I was just curious on your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So it's relatively new to our system. So, um, of course, not everybody's on it right now. Of course, I think if everybody knew what it did, they would probably be you know, a bit more keen on using it. But since it's relatively new, it's really just a matter of people knowing that you know, that, it, that we use that. But, yeah, we've got a, we, we really do have a bunch of people that are starting to use it now. And as people are starting to come across Hubtran and, you're just getting introduced into what it does. Uh, it's definitely one of the most popular integrations that we've put out for quite some time. And we have tons of integrations and, you know, they're all good at what they do and used respectively. But Hubtran is definitely one of the most popular ones uh, with getting it set up. That's, that one's uh, that's definitely a company that we work for a lot. Are the, we also do like some mileage. Are those pretty popular? I'm assuming a lot of people use those mileage calculators. 
Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So we have um, PC Miler, and I believe the other one's uh, Rand McNally. So we have those for calculating miles. Um, we have just integrations, just tons of different integrations. We've got, you know, load board, uh, load board integrations, tracking integrations. We've got HubTran to help out with invoicing, you know, onboarding for DAT. I mean, lots to talk about there. Yeah, <laughs> for actually, sure, we got a lot of integrations. Yeah, I'd love to actually ask about some of these because I don't really know a lot about some of them myself. Like the onboarding one with DAT, what's the deal with that one? Yeah, so uh, what's going on there is basically DAT has an onboarding, uh, you know, process within their system where more or less kind of like vetting the carrier and getting your documents into the system. So we have a feature in our system where you can get all that data into our system and then, you know, kind of create a profile um, with that um, in there. So rather than, you know, having to do some back and forth between, you know, getting the data and DAT and you know, transposing it into our system and stuff like that. We just pulled it data directly from them, and then, you know, it allows you to make a profile just kind of right off the bat like that. so easy. Oh, I see. So it's basically making the profile for the carrier. Yeah, it's just kind of getting all getting everything together for you, all of the all of their information. I think there's going to be in, there's going to be a lot of document retrieval, your own internal onboarding process. But yeah, it makes it makes it a lot easier to you know get that into our system and kind of get it running with it right away. Makes sense. How intuitive is the system for new users, would you say? Is it pretty hard for people to get? Obviously, it probably depends on their role, but would you say it's pretty easy for them to, to learn the system? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I Yeah, I think that the system is really user-friendly. It can, it can get complicated for depending on what you're trying to do, but definitely, I think generally, you know, the experience is really user-friendly. It's really uh, fluid really really smooth to use everything's pretty under, easy to understand and personally what i think makes it really uh accessible is that it's easy to navigate because it can get really confusing kind of going back and forth between everything and information can get cluttered and it can it can get really it can be really easy to get overwhelmed uh when you're seeing too much so that's kind of one of the things that i really like about it is that um it definitely simplifies and smoother process of course, everything still looks good, um, but I think the experience is really fluid, which is uh, really important when we're, especially onboarding new customers, because you're trying to, if you're trying to simplify something that's complicated, it, you know, the translation can get kind of muddied. Um, but since the system in itself is already pretty user friendly, it makes it a lot easier for us to help out new clients in terms of understanding how to do certain things in the system. Makes sense. I remember actually uh, the version one of our system had a lot more links, and then when version two was created, I know that there was a lot more kind of graphics involved and even it had yeah. the same functionality, but it just was a little bit more intuitive, the layout. So I, I really like the, yeah. the new version of the software. Yeah, me too. I mean, especially having support, you know, both versions. When I started working at 3PO, you know, when I was basically kind of told, you know, we're, we got two different, uh, two different websites going, you know, some of our clients are on here, some of our clients are on there. That was interesting to me, but, you know, when I was working between the two, I, you know, version one, there's kind of a bunch of links. You can read everything and, you know, it's all there. But um, I feel like for people who are using software, um, they kind of want to be, you know, like guided through the system naturally, just kind of by using it, which is kind of what makes good software good software. So that's why with version two, yeah, like you said, it's a lot more graphically oriented and things are just kind of easier to navigate less cluttered, um, easy to look at. So it just makes it a little less overwhelming for people who are just trying to focus on doing their job because that's definitely one thing that when I'm working with onboarding new clients, <clears throat> a lot of them can be concerned or rather their staff uh, could be concerned with figuring the system out. You know, they have to worry about doing their job and, you know, between the, um, 
I guess really what can be chaos between, you know, moving from one system to another, um, you know, when you're kind of going into something new and you kind of see that it's easy to use, uh, makes it a lot less more, a lot less intimidating and a little bit more welcoming for that matter as well. So yeah, it's definitely a lot smoother and makes it a lot easier for people who are new to the system to just kind of get up and running. Makes sense. I think that pictures kind of hold a lot more than just like a link or words. I think that it's yeah, yeah, we're very, it's just more intuitive, I guess. And that it seems also actually both systems are obviously very responsive, but the the new system seems a lot quicker as well. It seems like it's just really fast to. I, I'm sure it's something under the hood that they've done to make it quicker, but it seems yeah. like noticeably quicker as well. Yeah. No, I definitely yeah for sure, and it's uh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely smoother, quicker, um, a lot more responsive, a uh, little less prone to running into errors, I suppose. But yeah, with the new system, um, it's definitely definitely really quick, uh, really snappy. So that's, I mean, as somebody who's kind of doing a lot of things at once, uh, really kind of just a high, high-paced person as it is, uh, it makes it easier for me to use because uh, I don't have to worry about being bogged down by the system itself. It's just kind of quick. So, sure. Yeah. I mean, my internet that day. <laughs> really yeah. The question at hand. Makes sense. I mean, bugs are going to happen in any new system, and we do have clients actually switching over from version one to version two of our software now. And I, I think that with any software company, you got to test as soon as like you're you're switching from like one system to the next, just to get everything prepared in advance. Because um, I think that those usually are kind of how the the best kind of migrations happen. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, for clients that are moving from version one to version two, yeah, I mean, testing is going to be 100% the most important thing because, you know, that gives you a real opportunity to just kind of understand, I guess it makes it a lot easier for people to just replicate their process from one, you know, one website to the other. And, you know, kind of like you had said earlier, the two versions are, they're basically the same thing. Of course, they're going to be different um, in terms of how, you know, you get to what you're trying to do. But what they're doing in itself is more or less the same, you know, with the testing process. It gives people a real opportunity to just try and figure out, you know, how their process works in the new system, um, you know, come across any, you know, kind of like you said, you know, bugs are going to happen and stuff like that. So it gives you a chance to find uh, any bugs that might come up for, um, you know, your daily processes and stuff like that. And uh, just really gives you an opportunity to just um, understand how, how you're going to be working in that system, which is really important because, you kind of go into something new blind, even if it's a smooth experience, you know, you're still going to have some trouble just kind of, you know, getting up and running. So yeah, that testing process is 100% the most important part of, you know, the transition in my opinion. Makes sense. In closing, I do want to, I know that you're a DJ, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that personal (laughs) stuff. So how did you get into DJing and how are are you doing it on Twitch at the moment? And how do people kind of find your feed or your your DJ sets? Yeah. Uh, open up Pandora's box here, <laughs> but uh, yeah. In terms of uh, you know, just kind of keeping it simple, uh, I got into DJing like probably like month, around ten years ago now. Um, you know, I've been listening to electronic music more or less you know my whole adult life, teenage life. Uh, naturally, as I got older, I got more interested in it, and I've been DJing since about 2011. So I'm doing it for quite a bit now. Um, but right now, since you know I can't club you know random random gigs. Uh, I've been I've been streaming on Twitch, yeah, like you said. So that's twitch.tv slash no result music. I like that name. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and what is it like, just out of curiosity as well, um, DJing for a streamed audience? I've never DJed before, but I could imagine that it's slightly different than having 
a live audience, right? It's a lot different than having a live audience, yeah, because when you're sitting in front of, you know, a group of people, you get that, like, real-time feedback from people, you know, uh, you know, you'll do a certain transition, you know, everybody seems, you know, everyone gets Pumped. excited and stuff like that, you know, it went well, you know, people don't really give you that, uh, that energy back, and you know, like, okay, well, that didn't work, but um, when you're streaming, yeah, it's you looking at a camera, and the camera giving feedback to everyone else, and that's what you're watching. You're spinning, you know, in a room more or less by yourself, <laughs> but you know, it's not really by yourself because you have to chat with you and stuff. So over, you know, the course of the last six months, I've managed to build like a small community uh, around, you know, DJ sets and stuff like that. So it's definitely not lonely by any means whatsoever, but it's just not the same type of real time feedback that you get if you're in a, you know, a venue or something, something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. You can't really pick up on the energy per se, at least not yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit more blindfolded in that sense, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the future they'll figure out a way of, you know, making it have more of a live feel digitally. I don't know if that's possible, but who knows? I guess anything's possible. Yeah, they're actually <laughs> looking into uh, doing – that's actually becoming really popular, uh, like VR events. So anybody who has VR can come in, you can, whatever you have set up there is what's there. But um, it's definitely an interesting direction uh, that might even really kind of count for that whole real-time – performance feedback from your audience kind of thing so definitely well i appreciate your time man that was really fun how do people find you i know you're on linkedin right if they want to reach out yeah 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 i'm definitely on linkedin i just gotta look up blake rangel r-a-n-g-e-l-l for those of you who don't know kind of a weird last name to spell but yeah where's yeah, that from uh, you can find me on there um so <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting story it's a mexican last name but um my grandfather when he was drafted into the i think it was the Korean war uh, they misspelled his last name. Now we have two L's in our name, and we're the only people <laughs> That's that have awesome. two L's with that last name. <laughs> so yeah, I was curious. Random, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, man, I appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, glad, glad to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for sticking around to the end. It was really fun for me to get to pick Blake's brain on the 3PL stuff about EDI, API, and all the different integration that 3PL Systems has to offer. If you're interested in taking a demo of 3PL Systems, you could always send an email to sales at 3plsystems.com. And I will definitely be sure to check out some of Blake's DJ sets as well on Twitch. Thanks so much for listening.